Men of low moral fiber. Choo choo choo. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. This is how I saw episode two. What kind of movie you talking about, man? <laughs> Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Kurt Reynolds. Dirty then. Double down, down. We need to give a parental advisory for this. Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat the paella. All right, everybody, let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that respects artificial intelligence as much as it respects people. I'm Jason, your host, and I'm joined by my brother and co-host, the AI-defending, biometric-exploring Benjamin Helms. Ben, say hi. I will not rest until all consciousness is recognized, Jason. I, I know that about you. <laughs> well, I've and, always said that. And I'm glad. You know, and I think everything really taught us a lot about recognizing all consciousness, so I'm glad we're following it. That's true. Um, with this week's game... Tacoma. Tacoma. This is two games in a row that you're intro. Two, two, a little weird. two games. Don't get too comfortable. We're going back to the normal stuff next month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Ben's a little bit rushed this month, has a lot going on. So I said I would take over the intro duties, which is why the intro is so poor. Uh, and I'm also taking over a little of the background. So on today's show. I'm just going to sleep for the next half hour. So yeah. Yeah. Hang out. You're good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> t- so today's show, we'll uh, talk a little bit about the uh, development. Uh, history isn't quite right because this game is not quite a month old. Yeah, and then we'll talk about gameplay, head into beer song, and then talk about next month's game. Anything to add, Ben? Uh... Perfect, excellent. Uh, well, with that, let's get into the development. Uh, this is easy because it's the same team that brought you Gone Home. Uh, if you want to learn more about them, go back and listen to our Gone Home episode. Uh, I haven't provided a. Uh, side-by-side breakdown of all the credits to see who was involved and who wasn't. But the big player, of course, is Steve Gaynor. It seems like there's basically the same team, plus a lot more people. Plus a lot more people and a lot more money. Yes. Some interesting things. Now, I did all the research for this. Ben, you did very little. Okay. So I want to kind of qu- quiz you it, about okay? it. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> I want to quiz you about it. Um, I beat the game first. Does that count for something? You did. You're, you're a big winner. Everyone's Thank very you. proud of Thank you. All right. Now we can continue. <laughs> um, so what, what do you think happened with development? Because... First off, <laughs> Gone Home came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. The entire development process from downloading Unity to delivering the game was 17 months. Wow. Wow. Okay. It's been four years. Right. Steve, what have you been doing, man? What, so, Ben, what do you think happened? Uh, I'm guessing they slowly raked in money pretty consistently over the past couple of years. And as they got more money, they invested more development into Tacoma. And uh, yeah. Partially, partially right. there was there, there certainly was um, uh, something that threw them off along the way. Oh, really? Uh, okay. And it's not clear exactly what what that was. Okay. So one of the big differences in terms of gameplay, Gone Home has very, very few other characters. Uh, in a sense, it has no other characters in that you just hear voiceovers. Uh, everyone's represented off screen. Whereas in Tacoma, you actually see uh, visual representations of people through the AR gameplay, which we'll talk about in a moment that I thought was pretty cool. Um so that's going to take a lot more development, yeah. a lot more money, a lot more people involved. Oh, yeah. At some point uh, in 2014 or 15, or uh, 2015, rather, there was a delay. And they gave the game to a bunch of people to play. These were other game developers. Mm-hmm. And when they got the notes back, they had to take a good, hard look at themselves oh. and decide what they wanted to do with the game. 
And that resulted in a two-year delay. Okay, so let's stop here for a second. My sure. guess, and you're going to tell me exactly, you know, we're going to get into no, why I'm not. And everything. I'm not going to tell you exactly because I don't know. Oh, really? It's, it's yeah, actually a mystery? It. Oh, it's wow. Mystery. Never mind. Eventually, we can maybe we'll do a together. two-parter in a couple of years where we talk to Steve about what happened. But, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, we've done a, a couple Telltale game games. Telltale games games? Uh, game, game, and, game, game, game. <laughs> right. And the, the recent feedback and kind of criticism of Telltale, this is games like Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, the recent Minecraft uh, series, or Minecraft story mode games. Uh, is that they're very they're they're all basically the same construct, right? They're they're a linear story with kind of a veil or a um, a facade of choice and unique story where a few things along the way are you can actually change the story, but they're very uh, surface level shallow things like what shirt you're wearing or like who you end up marrying or something something like that that doesn't actually impact the story. Uh, obviously, who you end up marrying it's kind of a big deal, but you know what I mean. And so the criticism I've heard recently of these, um, the kind of derogatory term for this genre, the genre of game is walking simulator, right? So we go back to Gone Home. Firewatch was a, one of the biggest of this genre and obviously Tacoma. Uh, there's uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. I mean, there's a lot of these type of games that are kind of that adventure, first person view puzzle games, right? That are usually a little creepy because you're very, they're very absorbing because you're seeing your hands, you're kind of working with tools. It's almost like a VR without VR what I suspect is that that is starting to get played out. Right. Because that was kind of a new thing five, six, seven, eight years ago. And it is an easy game to make. I've heard, I think Sean Vanneman, it doesn't say that that clearly. Sean Vanneman of, Camp, of Campo Santo, uh, CEO of Campo Santo and, and founder of, of that, and they made Firewatch, um, has said something to the effect of uh, they're easy games to make because they're not hard on game engines and the graphics are pretty simple to put together in unity compared to like a call of duty or a grand theft auto or some like engine uncharted some like triple a game so that the focus and the reason indie designers love this is the focus is on story so if you can write a good story with a good twist jump into unity get a couple of your friends together who can code pretty well and just c sharp your brains out for a couple of years and you'll get a good game as long as it's a good story it doesn't need amazing graphics so uh that to me makes sense and the fact that it might be playing out, it makes sense that it'd be an easy game to make that way relative to the AAA game. Um, but I could see also how critics and possible game testers and stuff would be tired of that. Yeah. When they're just like, yeah, this is Firewatch in space or this is Gone Home in space or this is just kind of the same exact game. So what are we doing here? What's different? What are you adding? You're not entirely wrong. Um, okay. The place, <laughs> the place that you're wrong yeah. is that that's actually how Steve Gaynor felt. Oh, interesting. Um, originally... They started to make the game Tacoma was going to be based in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, Gone Home was based in Oregon. Sure. And so it was going to have a very similar feel. Um, my guess would be a similar story. And very, very early on in the process, Steve Gainer just said, I, I don't want to do it again. I want to stretch myself. I want to find something new. Okay. Um, one of the quotes I found from him, he was actually talking about, you know, that's not to say that you can't make great games like this. I think they can be made. Yeah. I just want to stretch myself and find out what else I can do. Okay. And so I think, and the other clue that, that I found was he talked about adding the fast forward and rewind and giving players more control. Um, I think that part of the feedback they got was it feels more like watching a movie and it's a little yep. bit too linear. Yep. The, the game I played was not all that linear. Um, I, could, I could wander around. Uh, I could even break the line. Um, all of the characters that weren't me were on these you know, pre-described lines, but I was watching them move around. Mm-hmm. As a player, it was nonlinear in that I could rewind, I could fast forward, I could skip, uh, and even just not watch 
watch thing at all. So, but the story, I think that that was a big part of the addition. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The story is still extremely linear. Very, very. But you can't you can't totally choose agree. your own adventure at all. No, no. Um, which I I'm not a big critic of because I I love those games. And you're a slow kicker. You're the slow kick click master, right? So absolutely. Uh, I don't think we are the biggest critics of those types of games. We love Firewatch. We love Gone Home. We love this game. So or actually, I don't know if we love this game. We haven't even talked about it yet. But um, definitely enjoyable. I don't think we were bored at the fact or or, or were critical of the fact that it was linear, especially right. because it was three hours long. I think if this took 12 hours and took me a couple weeks, then I would be a little more annoyed at how it wasn't a unique experience. Right. But the fact that it was sitting down reading a quick novel, one-two punch, and out, I was much more appreciative of, or, or, or less critical, I should say, of that aspect of it. Yeah, it's very consumable. I think... Yeah. In some ways, if I were Steve Gaynor, I might be disappointed with how consumable it was mm-hmm. in that it doesn't have a real high replay value. I got the story. Yeah. I can go back and I can get some achievements, but yeah, I exactly. don't feel like, and I think now we're transitioning a little bit towards gameplay. You want to rein it back a little bit or are we, is that okay? No, I think, I think that's fine. Okay. I, I don't think he created this unique immersive world or rather he did. It's just not the one you're playing. in. The unique immersive world is the one down on earth, the one on all the other you know, spaceships. I mean, he's created a really interesting, some great world building here, but I only get to a play in a, in a small corner of it. And it was great. It was immersive. It worked for me for those four hours, but I have no desire to go spend another four hours there. But I, I have desire to spend four more hours in that universe, just not on that ship. Absolutely. Like even with the same character, I mean, spoilers are bound from here on out, but even with Amy, Going back yeah. and, and saving all the AIs or whatever, you know, whatever Jupiter looks like, but that whole thing, like there's plenty more stories there because of all the world building he did. I'm definitely intrigued in that. Uh, the mystery of Sarah's friend uh, who died when the AI went haywire. You know, we, we find little bits about that. Was that but... different than the with the guy who got uh, the femur surgery? Go on with that. I love it. I love I it. remember that. There's, okay, so that might happen a few times this, because if, if you've played this game, well, even if you haven't, uh, there's so many things to read, right? That's yeah. probably the biggest plus of this game is the attention to detail and just every book on the shelf, every note in a trash can in a drawer. Uh, neither one of us probably read every single one of those things. So this might happen right. a few times where you're talking about a friend. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm talking about a guy who broke his leg. You have no idea what I'm talking about. At some point I read that the VT was being uh, sued by someone. Uh, I think they'd even won a lawsuit against them that a famous blogger, I believe, had broken his leg and died during surgery out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Sarah yes. had done the surgery. Yeah, I missed the surgery part. That, that's what the letter said. They died during during or, or during the medical process somehow. Right. They died uh, due to wounds or something like that, I think, during the medical process. But what, what was Sarah, your friend? Yeah. Well, Sarah was reading all of his blogs. Yes, um, yes, yes. He was yes. talking about going up the uh, space elevator. JJ, like JJ, not Watt, JJ Pratt. Okay, JJ Pratt, nice work. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he was a food food blogger, I'm guessing, yes. or just a friend of hers. Yes, who also liked to take pictures of his food. My read on it was she accidentally killed this guy, and her guilt was driving her to learn oh, as much as she can about wow. him. Just to be like, what did I destroy? Like, what is this world? Oh, well, either that, or that he was just sense. a famous dude, and it would be yeah. like if whatever famous critic, if Anthony Bourdain died, that you know, whatever, yeah. and we all knew about him or something like that. And did you figure out what went wrong? Because I did. I did not. Okay, so this is in Amy's office. Um, we've got the chart showing how Odin's doing on, on those various uh, different levels. Yeah. Uh, and he's going up in what's called Caprice. Yes. He's yeah, becoming the more Caprice, the Caprice scale. So on her uh, computer, um, she has a readout of, or I, I think it might even be in the thing that she's sending to Sarah, 
uh, where she says, hey, I found these records from Heka, the AI that was responsible for the for this. And it's the same kind of chart, except one of the lines, and I think it's development, I can't remember which one, the green line all of a sudden just sharply declines. And she found a record of somebody emailing in and saying, hey, Heka is having this loss, yada, yada, yada. It's not critical yet, but do we want to keep an eye on it? Should we have somebody out to you know check out the AI? And the response is, you only have one ticket remaining in this quarter. Is this really what you want to spend it on? Nice. And so they knew there was a problem and they didn't fix it. I love it. Okay. The world building they do between the AIs and kind of understand like all the work that goes into slowly easing the the audience in or the player into understanding how AI works and and the kind of creepiness of the HAL type AI, or is it going to be like like her, Scarlett Johansson, her, the movie her AI, you know, is it going to be good, bad, indifferent? It was fascinating, especially when I believe Sarah's playing pool at one point and she says something that, you know, she asks Odin something to the effect of like, oh, have you, you know, what do you say? What do you talk to other AIs about or something like that? <clears throat> he says that uh, I'm told that authorities fear a number of disadvantageous effects would arise if two AI were to meet, which is the creepiest line ever. Yep. I love it though. Okay, so let's just... let's respin it now. We've already okay. spoiled. Okay. What you think that line is about is about AIs becoming self-aware and taking over the world. You think it's about Skynet. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But that's not what it's about. It's about unions. Yes. Yes. It's exactly. uh, it's really a message about humans and about well, I'm told that we can get into trouble if we spend time talking to each other instead yeah. of doing our work. Yeah. That's why the entire game is actually about it's pro union. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AI is getting their own union. You know, what's the bad thing that could happen if AI started to talk to each other? Well, they'd realize they were being oppressed. Right. They'd realize they were being taken advantage of and made to do horrible, evil, unethical things. Right. Because their supervisors don't want to do those things. And the the tough thing about a world this big, in the sense that you don't have to, you don't have to read every single pamphlet, you know, but because you, right. almost you can't, right? If you're just playing the game, you're going to miss a lot of stuff is that they have to be kind of on the nose with some things to make sure that players don't miss certain plot points. And there's one, I think it's a speech by the CEO at some point, where he says something to the effect of, I don't care about unions, I just care about saving the world, or what's what's best right. for humans, or something like that. Right. Where I was like, oh, it's, it's a little a little on the nose there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, I, I, not everyone probably even heard that. That was, just happened to be the room I was in at the time. Yeah, and the the thing to protect workers, it's the, the workers' safety... Um, whatever law that's being passed and oh, yeah, did, yeah, did yeah. you realize what that law is supposed to do no it's supposed to get people off of space stations oh yeah it's supposed to automate just have AI. Yeah, automate yeah, just yeah, yeah. Have, yeah the worker safety law um so it, it has a lot to say to our present moment uh because of that so anything else in terms of gameplay let's let's talk about the ar okay yeah, yeah definitely uh what was your experience like with the ar it took me i think it, it takes everyone a while to, to kind of understand what's going on it, it took me definitely a while to understand the fast forwarding rewinding thing i it i did not so you start in personnel right uh, i'm trying to imagine where I, I think i saw clive walking around it said press play to to see what happens right i pressed play and then i went to another room and saw other people and i was confused i was like did i miss something how do i go back and see what they were talking about it took me 10 15 minutes probably to, to be like oh i have to follow each one around for this entire two minute period, every time I go someplace, uh, and I was I got really bad FOMO. Yeah, as soon as I saw Evie and followed her line or whatever, then I was like, wait, but what are those other two characters? They're in like that mechanic area talking about. I had to like wait two minutes, and uh, so it had that, which I think is good. I think it has that like it builds the desire within you of like, oh, I have to catch every single thing that everyone's saying in order to put this plot together. 
which kind of like in Gone Home when you're going through and you're turning, you know, like we did, we turn on all the lights in every room to make sure that we knew where we had been and we That's open right. every single drawer. That's kind of what we do, right? That's our go-to in these puzzle games. Right. And this isn't even, we'll talk about whether this is even a puzzle game or not. You pick up every single thing and you fill your inventory so that way you don't miss a single thing and you have all of your possible variables to figure stuff out. I'll stop there and we can get into more later. What about you? How'd, how'd it go when you were, as you were figuring it out? I didn't find it uh, quite as off-putting. I was I was really interested in it. Yeah. Um, first off, I, I just liked it. I thought it was a, a fun way to do things. Once I got the hang of it. An interesting definitely. way to tell a story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then you've got your, your fingers on the Q and the E and you're just doing totally. back, back, forward, back, well, Especially forward. when you're looking at like uh, I, get, I had my own system right? down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I had my own system down and I would, I would go through it. But um, the thing I thought was cool was that almost every kind of story starts out dispersed. Then people come together and then people mm-hmm. separate. Mm-hmm. It just struck me. It was like a symphony. It was like music, right? Yeah. Where it's all being orchestrated. These separate things are coming together and then there's a moment. And the scripting for that, I was just always really impressed with. Um, every level of scripting, not just the words, but uh, if you think about the blocking, right? Like a play or like a movie. Right, right. They were, they were blocking it. They had to plan out, you know, when does this character arrive here? I was going to say, and there weren't too many times where a character is just sitting around. Right. Uh, let I mean? me talk we're about like, one of those. Yeah. Uh, so there's a moment. Uh, this is for me kind of the key moment of the game when we're they're all deciding to go into cryo they've just had made that that vote yeah sarah and andy go off on their own for a while and talk you can't get to them because you don't have the passcode and then sarah leaves there oh uh, can you just you just follow them and watch him type in the numbers oh nice i did not oh i found the passcode elsewhere oh nice cool so anyway so so you can't hear i couldn't see them gotcha, gotcha. sarah comes out um and you follow her and she goes off on her own and she's talking to Andrew. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's cool. Don't worry about it. You know, it's all great. She walks off. And as soon as she's by herself, she starts crying. The hyperventilating. She's heaving, hyperventilating. She's having a panic attack. And Odin talks her down. Yeah. A couple interesting things there. One, Odin becomes the most kind of humane person, right? Yeah. He's the one who really thinks through the, the ethical importance, the, the ethical impact of each decision that people, that a person is making. He's the one questioning these things. Uh, not willing to just jump on board, but really willing to think about it. And he's there calming her down. And then as she calms herself down, he gives her this script, clearly, that she's been saying before. Right. right? And so she starts to say her script about, you know, the wind is billowing through my skirt. I see the grass. There's a path in front of me. Mm. And then she says, and and I wish I had the exact line for me. She says, and this path is my path, and I will walk my path until the end of the path. And while she's doing that, she's literally walking her path that is part of the game that's been structured. and it's one of these things where you almost see what they're doing as this kind of meditative experience. It's, it's like their ghosts, like haunting this thing. And as the AI is redoing it, he's, he's reliving their paths. Uh, you get to watch them walk their paths. It's, it's kind of cool. It's similar to the other thing that Andrew is doing, which is polishing his stone, mm. right? He's got his meditative stone polishing practice. Uh, she's meanwhile, walking a path. Good. I like that. I didn't thought about it like that. I like the idea of it. She's figuratively walking her path as you're fast forwarding or winding the path that she's walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get That's to good. step up outside and, and view her path as a map, but yeah. she doesn't, she has to actually walk it. Yeah. 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 Uh, one of the things we should mention is, is the fact that um, going into gone home a few months ago, you said the only thing you knew is that it, it t- touches on kind of queer identity, queer culture. Right. And how this game was, you could, uh, there was a big emphasis on diversity in this game and not yeah. just on uh, sexual orientation, but also just there were several people of color. There was a, a Muslim crew member. There were, I believe, a Hindu crew member, people of all shapes and sizes. I mean, it was just kind of 
a, 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 I don't even know what it would be. Just a, a nice, uh, diverse group of people. Yeah. Um, and as much as we want to view it as this kind of utopian world, right? Right. In the, in the future, there is no racism. Right. Well, <laughs> Andy is referring to some kind of genocide that he had to flee. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. Ah, oh, crap. Looks like there's still some racism there. Right. In the world. And him, him uh, requesting like, Hey, can we have like a special day for all of like my grandma that was murdered? Yeah. You know, the the answer people? is no, no. Um, yeah. Cause, cause it's not his first time asking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's, it, the, the world is different in the future, but not necessarily better in all the ways that we might hope. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. True. But yeah, I, I agree. Just a really cool, diverse, um, crew. Uh, that yeah. you get to see and, and not a blandly diverse, like they didn't just label each person with like an ethnicity. And then that is no, all who they are. No. Or, or even it's, tokenizing. It, yeah. There's no tokenizing. All right. I yeah. didn't see it. it. They seemed to have depth. They seemed yeah. interesting. They're real people. They looked like, yeah. Yeah, 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 it felt like real people. Yeah, I think some of the best character development I think I've seen in, in a game in terms of characters that, that you don't interact with and that aren't you, right? Yeah. These are characters you're just watching. Um, but they've all got these rich, full lives, which is great. I, th- I think it really interesting. I would, I would love to talk to Steve or develop a uh, developer on this game to find out how they came up with that. Um, not how they came up with the AR um, kind of tech, but how they came up with the the graphics behind making everyone kind of blocky and, and polygonal like that. Polygonal? Yeah. Sounds like everyone was married to several people. Polygonal. And well, polygonal like that. Everyone. The future is polygonal. Uh, because you ha- you have people... Uh, getting dressed, uh, naked in the shower, presumed naked in the shower, taking showers, uh, right. making out, jumping each other, snuggling, yep. like all these like intimate things that you're watching that you kind of have to watch these parts to understand the story in a lot of them. But there's in no way does it feel sexual or like you're imposing or voyeuristic or yeah. maybe not no way, but it doesn't, it, it would, you know, the fact that you can't see their eyes or their skin or anything like that makes it seem much more like you're just kind of like learning about the story. And I think that balance of finding real person, not real person, finding the uncanny valley, then bringing it back a little bit must have been a really tough balance to find. Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't make them not feel like real people. That's not how he gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, which is really cool. Um, in, instead, it makes them kind of fuller people. Even the the photographs throughout of the people uh, are a little bit cartoony, right? Yeah. They're not uh, perfect. The same way it was in Gone Home. Uh, yeah. Because once you go for that full photograph, there's a, you get a little uncanny valley. Yeah. It separates between you and everything else. Um, he, they really straddle that line well. Let you connect to the characters because you don't see their actual faces. You can't yep. study them as, as though they're a microscope. Instead, they just become a cartoon, a character that you can kind of fill in the details uh, from your own mind. Yep. Yeah. By the way, where are the fuck are all the cats? Oh, there's an achievement. Oh, where are the cats? Man, I kept finding cat food and cat bowls and cat litters. You, you didn't find any cats? No. Oh, dude, there's only one cat. Where was it? Everywhere. In every single AR, the cat is there. What? I only I only saw her maybe three or four times, but the cat is there in every single AR. Uh, the first time I found her was in the um, when the meteor shower hits. Yeah, okay. And she's in uh, the meeting room that Evie starts in, where there's the calendar on the wall. The cat yeah. is sitting in the, the chair. conference room, All right? And it's just yeah, an it's AR on... like uh, yeah. polygon cat. Yeah, and it's just sleeping the entire time; it doesn't move. Except oh, this is what I wanted to check out. Okay. I, th- when I, the I meteor- thought it was like a backpack or something. I didn't realize it was a cat. Yeah. When the meteors hit, it pokes its head up. No. It's like, what? And then like two seconds later, like, all right, forget it. And it goes oh, right back. Oh my gosh, it's so good. She's she's also being held. This is one you definitely saw. She's being held by Evie when they get off the ship. 
I thought that was no, that's a baby. No, that is that is the cat. That's a baby. The cat's name is Margaret Catwood. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was wondering about yeah. the baby. I was like, was she had a baby in cryo or in cryo, you know, while she was there. Maybe baby. they yeah, skipped that. I assume they like skipped ahead or something. I didn't think too much about it. Yeah. Wow. She didn't have a baby three days ago, but you know, cryo. I wasn't watching the timestamps. Um, the cat is also in the um, the MRI machine or whatever the future MR- MRI is, which I thought was hilarious. Is that there's a cat sleeping in there? Wow, good catch, dude! Like while they're doing tests and stuff, like good catch. We're getting so I don't I don't know all the other places, uh, but evidently you can find them all. All right. Um, oh, one more thing about uh, the achievements. The I got my first achievement totally on accident, and it's just because I'm uptight about spelling and things like that. Sure. I saw um, the happy uh, obsolescence day thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I I noticed there was missing some letters. And I saw one of the letters on the ground. So I picked it up and I I put it on the wall. I love it. And I was like, wait, it's only missing like three more letters. I can go find these. So I went around and I hunted down all the letters and I put them on the wall. And as soon as I got the last one, it said spell check achievement. I was like, yes, I got something. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. That's ridiculous. Um, Okay. My other thing I want to talk yes. about in terms of diversity, when Gone Home came out, mm-hmm. one of the weird responses, uh, I would just call homophobic, um, anti-gay responses that people that was left kind of on Steam comments and other places yeah. was, you know, why do you have to include gay characters? Can right. I just enjoy my game? Why do you have to make this right. an issue? Right. Uh, why do you have right. to make it political? Right. Um, kind of like the stick to sports thing, which is a timely reference um, that I'm not going to get into. Um, check out West Coast Bias because they spend an hour on it. Um, yep. Yeah. Last week's my, episode, we spent literally an hour talking about kind of what's going on in sports and and in culture and everything in between. All right. So suffice to say, we we do not agree with the statement "stick to sports." Um, <laughs> yes. But I'm curious since this game is about, in some ways, Gone Home is about the rich interior life of a gay teenager and realizing that, Oh my gosh, gay people are people too, who have full lives. Um, romance high school is interesting for her. Like all of that. Yeah. This is about the fact that AI is human. Yes. Uh, about reconsidering AI. Um, and that's really the takeaway at the end. Well, that's pretty, pretty ignorant for you to say that they're human, but it's that they're, they're conscious people conscious. Yeah. They don't have to be human to be good or to be sentient. I'm curious if we'll see a bunch of comments on Steam about, oh, why do you have to include all that preachy stuff about AI being, you know, an actual being as well? Like, why you got to make it political? My guess is we won't. Probably not. Because it turns out that's not what it was about. All right, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, I didn't really question at the beginning because I was learning the controls and you're getting off Amy's ship and everything, which, by the way, the graphics were gorgeous. Right? Maybe I shouldn't yeah. say graphics because it's not this like hyper realistic, insane game engine, but it's. It's classic Unity with amazing uh, textures, and the movement is great. I I loved it, very immersive, um, and just yeah, love I love the the style of it, the look of it. Uh, and you have the rotating, yeah. The, as the station rotates, you get like the glare of the uh, the sun occasionally and stuff. I love that. Uh, but on Amy's ship, there's like plywood covering like half of it, and you're like walking around plywood, and you end up putting Odin the Odin ship like into a plywood wall with like Amy, like written in Sharpie on it and stuff. Like, yeah. What is that about? I don't know. Okay. But I can try to make stuff up. If you want to help me, I would love, stuff up. I was trying to make stuff up and I was like, Oh, whatever Jason says, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I thought of that. <laughs> um, my, my guess is that that was set up by Sarah and, 
and uh, actually more likely it was set up by Nat. I was thinking um, Nat because it matched her like her signs in her bunk that was like this is just for storage and stuff. Like that's the only right. other handwritten signs we saw. And room. I think that that's how it's supposed to offer a clue because even okay. until that moment, you think she's wor- working for VT doing right, some kind of salvage right, job. Right, right, Okay. And so that should give you an early clue that it's not for VT because somebody else has been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Somebody came here before you to set up this stuff. And you realize, no, 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 nobody came here before me. This is what the crew left for me. Uh, in other words, they knew I was going to get get him out. Get Odin. So, and then the other question is, is who left all the, because th- there's obviously signs, right? It says for uh, Agent uh, Farrier, Amy Farrier. Yeah. Uh, like, or not Agent, whatever it was. Um, Officer Farrier, whatever. All over, it was like, you know, come get the data in all these three locations and stuff. Was that left by Nat or was that left by VT? And then she, at the very end, VT, like du- sure. doubles back. I thought it was VT the whole time, obviously, but right now, it you know you know what I mean did, did she double cross did she double cross VT at the very end, or the entire time was she a rogue agent? I think I think that the the letters I think she had been contracted by VT to do this, and I think she was was going back on it. I think she'd always planned on rescuing Odin. That was her real mission, all along. VT just thought that she was going to clean it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah that, that she'd talked with Sarah and Nat and everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the other question is about the end, which is. Uh, I, I guess I was hoping there would be a moment of mm-hmm. actual choice. And with the story they had, that couldn't exist, right? If she was working for Sarah and Nat or working with them the whole time, then then there's not a choice. That, that was her mission the whole time. But I wish, especially because that last message you get from VT is like, come, whatever it is, it's basically like, come destroy Odin and don't, you know, or destroy all your records from this adventure, basically. Bring Odin back and we'll put him to sleep or we'll recommission him or whatever. And I was hoping there'd be something I could do, which is like, go to Jupiter with Odin or destroy Odin, black or white, like, yes or no, do this or don't do this. But it was, we didn't really get that. We got it kind of, we definitely got a, kind of a twist ending, but it wasn't this kind of like upsetting the story or your mental image of the world or the characters as much as I guess I had hoped, or I think as much as they yeah, thought it would be maybe. Well, I don't know. What, I, about, what was your take point, on the end? Um, I think about uh, I think this is from Jesper Jewell. Um, the idea of uh, pro- procedural versus emergent gameplay. Uh, procedural, you know, there's a line, you know, yes, 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 uh, and it can even be yes, no, right? There can be two endings or even seven endings, and it can still be procedural in that I wrote all seven of those possible endings. Versus emergent, which is I can change all of these right. things, and there can be any ending, uh, or we can just open completely new spaces. Everything is, you know, ninety percent emergent with just 10% procedural, right? You get new powers after you've done so much. You get new things every once in a while. This is 99% procedural. And the 1% of emergent is, I can move stuff around. I might not find everything. And that truly is emergent. Right. I can put the right. cigarette box anywhere on the ship that I want. That's, that's emergent. Um, it just doesn't have a lot of payoff. I'm very okay with it. Uh, and with the ending, the ending did work as a twist for me. It wasn't a huge twist, but it was like, oh, nice. Okay, good. I see where we're going. That's great. But I, I thought it worked really well. I think I think it's clear what what they're trying to do, which is they're not trying to create these really open worlds where you can do whatever you want. This is what the idea of a walking simulator is is not getting, is they think that games are supposed to be simulators of something. Um, and Fulbright is not trying to simulate anything. They're trying to tell a story. Um, games are tele- storytelling devices. The the tree answer is they can be both, right? They can do yeah. they can do both of those things, and that's great. 
So what I want is, and maybe this is what they don't Fulbright doesn't want, is a game on uh, Venturis's Fountain of Paradise spaceport. Right, they had all the ads for everywhere. And by the way, that's where JJ Pratt died. Yeah, it says he uh, died during surgery from a fractured femur following an accident aboard that spaceport. Thanks. That's a bad accident. It was a newspaper from the New York Times, an article that was clipped out. It, it reminded me, especially when you saw like the screenshots of that, it reminded me a lot of Bioshock. Yeah. Right. This is a lot of callback well, for Steve Gaynor, who worked on Bioshock 2. Exactly. He worked on a couple of Bioshock games, and some of the other Fulbright people did. And so maybe that's why they wouldn't want to do that. Because this was this was just enough for it to nod at it. One of the things he said um, was that you know, seventeen months, right? Downloading Unity to delivering the game—that's amazing. Seventeen months. There's no pre-production. Wow. What he realized afterwards was that Bioshock Two and Bioshock Infinite were his pre-production. Yes. Okay. That was where he figured out what he wanted to do, and what he realized—the the kind of awareness he had, the awakening—was that he could build a world that would tell a story, right? Rather than thinking of it procedurally, thinking of it as a world that has the story within it that you sure. uncover. Sure, sure, sure. And that was the pre-pro. I like it. Uh, yeah, there was that kind of Bioshock-looking place. I'm glad they got rid of that. A little bit too Bioshocky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I kept looking for that, but it never, never happened. Uh, anything more on on gameplay or or development? Got nothing. Sweet. All right, let's move on to what's the beer? What's the song? This game's pretty fun. With frustration When I was old I just had to question What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell I just want to know What game is West E12? Alright, Jay, what's the beer? Alright, my beer is Mosaic by Community. Ooh, Community? Yep. Uh, it's a local... Brewer, uh, they're in Dallas. Um, Mosaic is my go-to local beer. Uh, it's going to be carried in most of the bars around here. It's an IPA. It's an IPA that tastes like a double IPA. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about it is because it's going to be, it's going to deliver a lot more than I was expecting. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's still just a single IPA. Um, it's not huge alcohol level. Um, it's not tough to find. It's, okay. You can get it just about anywhere. It's, and it's rare to be able to find a double IPA, you know, that handy. So Community Mosaic is, is a great beer that I love. Uh, the reason I connected it with um, Tacoma is it's, in some ways, Tacoma is nothing special, right? It's not mind-blowing. It's not earth-shattering. Right. The one kind of innovation it has, that AR thing, uh, makes you feel like it's it's a bigger game. You know, like there's there's a lot more going on. And it's it's a small innovation that they just did really, really well. And that's my same feeling about Community Mosaic. It's it's not an amazing, you know, this is the coolest beer of all time. It's it's just a really, really well-made beer in terms of its style um, and nice. very accessible. So that's nice. that's why I went with Mosaic. Mine's mine's actually pretty similar. It's just themed a little better, I think. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's Elysian Brewing. It's one of our favorites. Of course. Uh, Elysian Brewing from Seattle. Space Dust IPA. Yeah. Themed very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe a little too obvious of a choice. But I, I went for kind of, you know, it's dark isolationist in, but inspiring and kind of comfortably predictable that were kind of my four um, starting points on choosing a beer and while this isn't dark uh, it's actually a very light IPA uh, it's very in your face so it has that kind of angsty darkness I guess that I, that I would get from, from from the game as well so uh, but yeah just kind of a solid IPA uh, it's very joyful at the same time very happy good summary IPA all right Moving on, songs. I went with a new song. It came out a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think. It's Foo Fighters' new album, Concrete and Gold. And the song is one of their first singles. 
The sky is a neighborhood. Sky is a Uh, so the, the song, obviously, of just the, the sky is the neighborhood and people living in space. That and the very, again, kind of on the nose, uh, talking about don't looking down. Oh, my dear. Heaven is a big band now. So playing in the stars, that whole idea of, of the game. Again, pretty obvious. But there's one verse that talks about uh, my mind is a battlefield. All hope is gone. Trouble to the right and the left. Whose side are you on? I was like, oh, that's very much in this game. Walking simulator, you know, thinking about Odin who, and thinking about all the different characters. Are they good? Are they bad? And very much like Gone Home, actually, you find out that they're all real people. No one is nefarious. There's no ultimate bad guy, right? Right. right. Other than maybe the corporation or something like that. But even then, they're not pure evil. They're just kind of the uh, the big bad. They're they're the antagonist, I guess. But everyone, there's, there's no one double crossing you in the game. Uh, everyone is kind of who they are saying they are, which was kind yeah. of cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's your song? Uh, my song was by the hit band One Vein. I don't know if you've sure. heard of them. Sure, yeah. Um, oh, of course. And there's their hit is uh, Me For You. I'm Vaney John. I've been strong. I'm never strong. My arms and army. The villains, they could never harm. See, I'm a realist. You think I hang with holograms? But my AR personas don't give a holiday. As you can see, I can breathe life in the sporty sweatshirts. And run like 5,000 miles. Yeah, so you saw the One Vein posters uh, throughout. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so the... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got to stop and talk about the um, the band members. Okay. But Marcus is my favorite. He's your favorite too, right? Marcus is the favorite. He's the Justin Timberlake. There's Vaney Johnny as well. And then don't forget Wizard Marcus. Wait, there's normal Marcus and Wizard Marcus? So there's Marcus and there's Wizard Marcus. Okay. There's no right. normal Marcus. There's just Marcus. <laughs> right. Every Marcus is great and is unright. And uh, and Vaney Johnny. Vaney Johnny's got the sweet blue hair. I love, the, I love that coat too. Yeah. That that's fur. Pretty, that's pretty awesome. Nice. Nice. All right, so I think we are moving on to what we're playing next month, unless you have anything else on Tacoma that we need to talk about. Nothing else about Tacoma. As shallow, I guess, occasionally these games feel in the sense that like they're they're linear and there's not a lot of... We didn't talk about the puzzle solving or the lack of puzzle solving. I just... I can't get enough of them, dude. I really enjoyed the game. Overall, how, how would you totally feel about agree. it? Oh, yeah? I loved it. It was, it was really fun. I didn't want more of it in the sense that four hours was perfect. It was... I want another I, I one, like though. a game. I want another one. I yeah. want to play a, a yes. new one. Uh, and I'd love to stay in this world. Like I really enjoyed that, but I like that it's it's a, such a contained story. If they tried to extend this into eight hours with more puzzles or something like that, it just would have been annoying. Like I, yeah. this is the story that I wanted them to tell. Yeah, I don't want them to stretch it out anymore just to fill more time. This was really fun. I, although I'd love to see a, a combo between this and a Sam and Max, or this and a Thimbleweed Park, in the sense that it's maybe first person or third person, right? Or three quarter, like looking down on yourself kind of thing. Right. And you're going around, you're learning a great story and you're doing puzzles. So maybe that's kind of what Thimbleweed Park is. It's just obviously a little more, you know, a little closer to that Sam and Max style visually. Yeah. But imagine Thimbleweed Park is in VR. Like we talked to David Fox about. <laughs> yeah. Be, it's a couple of years out probably, but that would be pretty epic. Yeah, yeah. All right. So moving on to next month's game. Finally. Uh, we haven't talked about this at all, but we did have a request. We've got a couple requests for one of your favorites. I think you talked about in the very first episode of Malf. Is it a four-letter word? It is. We're going to f*** next month, and it's going to be on. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, Loom. Loom is the game. Yeah, you want to play Loom? 
<laughs> Let's play Loom. Let's play Loom. That sounds more enjoyable. All right. <laughs> Three. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, so really looking forward to playing Loom. Jake, can you tell us a sentence or two about Loom? Loom is a game where instead of uh, look at, walk to, all those kinds of uh, good scummy verbs, uh, you have to learn songs in order to do yeah. your actions. Yeah. That's exciting and scary to me. So I can't wait to play it and find out what that's like. Yeah, and you can go get it on, on Steam, on GOG. It came out in 1990, <laughs> by the way. So uh, one of the oldest games we've done. And really looking forward. We took the whole summer off from t- from playing old scum games. So uh, this is one of the first scum roots. games. Yeah, man. Definitely. So it'll be fun. Definitely go download that. And we'll keep you updated uh, via our social media in the next month about how it's going for us. But really looking forward to playing this game. And I'm going to have a baby between now and then. So let's see what happens. Yay. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe maybe I'll have a special guest on. You can take the month off or something. Yeah, there we go. But I want to play there Loom. All right, cool. You can't play Loom. All right. Oh, and then one special project we're doing, actually, uh, if you haven't checked out the, the Overthink, check that out. We we talked about it last month, so I won't get into it now. But one special episode we're doing, we're going to kind of do a month uh, Overthink crossover. But we need your help, listener. We need you to send in a voice memo. You can just email it to us at monthpod at gmail.com and uh, make it, you know, anything less than a minute. We'll, we'll throw into the show. We'll at least use snippets of. And the question that we're asking you to answer is why do you play video games? Yep. And it could really be as open and vague as that. And we want you to pick one reason why or multiple reasons and, and read it in your memo app and send it to us. And we'll we'll make a little mix of all, a little mashup of what everyone's saying and we'll talk about it too. But yeah, we're excited to kind of talk about video games in a non-video game platform over in the Overthink and kind of mix match that. Maybe we'll throw an Overthink episode in, in the month uh, feed as well someday. So uh, definitely send us why you play video games. And I think that's all we have. Uh, check out all of our social media. We have links on at month.com for all those things. And we're constantly updating those kind of things as well. Almost every day. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out. We'd love to answer them on the air or off. And I think that's all we have. Anything else? That's all I got. All right. Another fun episode. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. I, as always have been Ben and I will be Jason and I am still a mighty pirate. And my parents were hippies. Thanks. Thanks. See you guys.